Good morning. I'm not a note preacher, but I have got notes this morning because I want to stick, if I can, to what I believe the Spirit wants us to hear this morning. Uh, there is a tendency at times for us to, who know the word, to, to divert, and that's good when it's the Holy Spirit that's doing it. But I just feel this morning I want to stick as close to as I can to uh, what I want to speak on this morning. Uh, this is a message that's been burning in me for 12 years, but it's a message I've never really preached. It's a message of, 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 of sidestep. Now, I don't know, uh, you preachers down here, if you've got messages that you sidestep, <laughs> because you know that they might cause offence. You know that you might lose the popularity. You might lose friends who, who, who are friends. Uh, but I want to preach... The message this morning. I believe there's a missing message in Scotland today. I believe there's a missing message in the world today. But I believe it's especially a mission in Europe. Europe has become a dark continent. And that includes our, our own nation of Scotland. And we need to see uh, how that can change. We, we, we need to be the, the changers. We need to be the ones that bring the change. No one else is going to bring change. Except... Uh, those who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that's, our, that's our mission. Our mission is to disciple nations. And I've never seen that happening yet. Uh, I've seen parts of it in different parts of the nation. But the word of God doesn't say go and disciple part of your nation. It doesn't go and say just go uh, and disciple where you are. Well, that's true. But the Bible clearly states, go and disciple all nations. And I believe that the, the missing message about doing that, in my heart, that the Holy Spirit has been really prodding me this past month uh, on this message that he gave me 12 years ago. And, uh, and, and on the back of that, uh, I'm going to be brave now and I'm going to preach this message. But what I'm going to do also on Wednesday night back in, in Fife, we're starting a group called Kingdom Life. Where we're going to look at what is Kingdom Life? What is a Kingdom culture? And we're going to see as we proceed this morning that church makes no sense without the Kingdom. It, it, it just doesn't make any sense without the Kingdom. And yet the Kingdom message is the message that's been lost to the church. You've got so into churchianity that we forgot really what the big picture is. And I think God has called us back to the big picture. And Jesus was the one who, who re-established the big picture. You know, because God has always only had one picture in mind, and that was the extension of the kingdom of heaven being extended here on the earth. That was, that was the whole sort of purpose of creation. That was the whole purpose of, uh, of Genesis chapter 1-2 was that the, the kingdom that was on heaven was he wanted an extension here on the earth. And therefore, he's, the, the kingdom message is a message that is right through scripture, <laughs> you know. But I want to start with a, with a negative reading this morning, you know. So if you've got your Bibles, I want to read from Matthew 23 this morning. Uh, and I just want to, to see where we go from there. Matthew 23, uh, I don't know what version I've, I've got, uh, 
on my notes here. I'm just going to read it from the verse I've got in my notes here. Matthew 23 and verse 13. Now, this is a challenge, okay? And I, I want us to be challenged by this verse this morning. It won't address to you, but the input of the message is just the same as it was back then uh, in the days when the Lord Jesus spoke it. And it says this in Matthew 23 and verse 13, Great sorrow awaits you, religious scholars, and you Pharisees, such frauds and pretenders. See, the word hypocrite is actor. That's where we get the word actor from, you hypocrite. And it says to great sorrow awaits you, religious scholars and you Pharisees, such frauds and pretenders. You do all you can to keep people from experiencing the reality of heaven's kingdom realm. That must have got... Pardon? I have no idea. <laughs> but it's a nice translation. <laughs> It may be the passion one, I'm not sure. It, it may be the passion version. But sit, do you do all you can to keep the people from experiencing the reality of heaven's kingdom realm? But not only do you refuse to enter in, but you also forbid anyone else from entering in. Wow. That's a challenging verse, isn't it? To come from the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ because you think you know the scriptures. Because you think you're steeped in the word of God. And yet here you are, you should be the ones who welcome the kingdom message. These people who Jesus is speaking to were the religious gatekeepers of the nation. And they should have been a people who, when they saw and heard what Jesus was saying, they should have welcomed him and encouraged the people to welcome him because if they had known the scriptures as they said they did, they would have, they would have known that Christ was a king, that Christ was coming, bringing a kingdom message. But because they were steeped in a culture of religion, they could not break that culture in order to receive the words of life, the true words of the King. You know, and that's what I believe today. Every one of us really lives in a culture. You might not say, I don't live in a culture. You do live in a culture because you live within a set of beliefs that control who you are and what you do. Everyone lives in a culture. And it might be a national culture because Scotland's got a culture that is not the same as England. Uh, and so, from the start, we live under the restraints of a, a national culture. And then we can come into a, a local culture. Glasgow's got a culture different from Edinburgh, you know. And so we, we start to, to get locked into that culture. And then we can have a family culture, you know. And then this past two years, we've learned to live in a, in, a, in a culture of fear. Because that's what's happened in our nations. That's what's happened across the world. There has been introduced a new culture, and it's a culture of fear, in which most people in the world have entered into, and allow that culture of fear to control their life. Absolutely. And unfortunately, it's came into church. Yeah. 
And so much of the church is in this culture of fear. And yet that's not what God wants. That's not what the, the message of the kingdom wants. Because, and we've got to watch that we don't come under a culture which is called church. Come on, Barry. <laughs> You're treading on this here. But church has a culture. I want to read what I wrote here, okay? Church has a culture. But we live according to a set of beliefs and give authority to We give authority to the culture we live in. Uh, we, we give authority to that culture to allow us to control us. And you know, church has a culture. And I, I, I can't find the bit I, I was looking for here, but we've all probably, yeah, there it is, this. We should be living out of a kingdom culture. We should be living out of a heavenly culture. But, yeah, but not only in words, but supernatural demonstrations of that culture. That's who we are called to be. And I, I also wrote here that not from a, a church culture where people gravitate to a certain way of doing things. That's why we've got so many factions. Because people gravitate to a doctrine. People gravitate to a type of worship. People gravitate to the way people dress. People gravitate to leaders, to preachers, to worship leaders. And we then become controlled by what we gravitate to. When all the time there's something much bigger. And I, and I, know, I know people are sitting in their room today. And because of they were in a church culture, and yet there's fresh revelation from God about certain things, about the Holy Spirit, about, uh, about the gifts of the Spirit, about tongues, about different things, real revelation of God through the Holy Spirit revealed to them, and when they walked in them, they had to leave their denomination. Because they were under a church culture rather than a, a, a kingdom culture which was preached and taught by the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's a challenge to us this morning. It's a challenge to me this morning. I'm meeting so many people now who are not going to church. Yeah. Where are you going? Oh, well, nowhere anywhere just now. Why not? And people are not coming back to their churches. I spoke to a pastor on holiday, a dear friend of mine up in Laird, and he said, Bert, he says, we're only getting about 35 to 45% back into our churches. I said, that's the average across the whole nation. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think it's the case that most people have lost their faith. I believe they've lost their faith in a church culture because they have this yearning in their spirit for something more. They have a yearning in their spirit, yet, yeah. We need something more. And there's more and more house groups that are starting up now in order to bring these people into a place where they feel that they can grow. And they're not under the restraints of a denomination or a, a, a church set of beliefs. And they know that if they get fresh revelation, they're not going to be asked to leave. Now I know there is people in here this morning. We have been asked to leave 
their church culture because they have had fresh revelation of who the Holy Spirit is. Now, I'm not knocking church this morning. Please hear me. But church without the kingdom doesn't make sense. If you've got to be rulers, and we've got to be governors, we've got to be senators, and we only speak about the church, who are we to be senators for? Who are the, whose authority are we going to rule? So that's where the kingdom, the big picture of the kingdom comes in, because we're in God's big picture. And the church's role has a role in the kingdom. But you cannot have, you cannot have the church without understanding the message of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. How do you know that? Let's go to some scriptures, okay? But let me ask you first. God's original purpose was always an extension of the kingdom of heaven on earth. And it's still his primary focus today. Because Jesus, the very first words that he spoke, he referred it back to what happened in the Garden of Eden. Where men, where Adam lost his, his right to rule. Adam lost his authority. Adam lost the, the, the mandate that God had given him. And he lost the sense. See, God never gave ownership of, of, the, of the world to Adam. He never gave ownership to it, but he gave rulership in it. Man was made to rule. Man was made to govern. Man was made to in, 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 in fellowship with, with God to rule and to extend what was in Eden to the whole of the created universe. That was God's initial purpose in creation. And that, that purpose has never, never stopped. Although it failed in Adam, then God brought in Abraham, then God brought in the children of Israel as, 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 as a nation to try and do what his purpose was. But every one of them really came in failure except Abraham. And because Abraham was righteous, and because Abraham kept and obeyed the promise of God, it was counted unto him as righteousness, and that through him and through his seed, which is the Lord Jesus Christ, every nation of the world would be blessed. Amen? We'll believe that this morning, eh? We'll believe that this morning. And so we're linked to Abraham through Christ to bring in blessing to the nations. Yeah? But the waters have got muddied. We became more interested in churchianity than we have in the, the, the divine message of God, which he wants to bring back into our nation today. He wants people to understand what it means to be a kingdom culture. He wants to make the church to understand that the church cannot work without the kingdom. We need this big overall picture of what God is doing. And the very first words that Jesus spoke is repent. Because the kingdom of God now has come here. 
What was lost in Adam's day through me is now at hand. It is now come near. It is now here in me. And so if we are followers of Jesus, if we are adherents of him, if we are his disciples, we must learn what his disciples learned, amen? We have got to learn what his disciples learned. And it's interesting that, uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ discipled his disciples and the message of the kingdom before they ever message the church. He spoke about the kingdom for three years, at least three years, before it introduced the ecclesia or the church in Matthew 6. And that was only on three different occasions in Matthew 16 and twice in Matthew 18. Very important verses. But they're set against the background of the kingdom. You see, when he spoke about the Ecclesia, I'm going off track here already, but it doesn't matter. We'll, come, we'll, we'll, we'll try and come back here. When he spoke about the Ecclesia, you've heard this, seen this so many times that the disciples knew exactly what the Ecclesia meant. It, because they had seen it in operation in the Roman Empire. But if you look back, and I'm not going into it today, I'll be able to touch on it again the next time I speak here is that that wasn't their only a picture of what, the, what an ecclesia should be. That was a secular picture. But they had already had a spiritual picture in Israel. Because in Israel, there also was a governing body. Uh, you get that right from Moses. When God took the spirit was upon him and divided it against the seventy who would who would rule and who would judge. And so the Ecclesia was not only a secular picture in the Roman Empire. Because they knew the scriptures, they would recognise that it was something that, that had been already in operation in the nation of Israel. And so the first words that Jesus spoke was, repent. Repent of what? Because you have moved away out of the kingdom of God into the kingdom of darkness. And Paul, in his letter to, to, I think it's the Colossians, to, he has transferred us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son that he loves, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. The kingdom message is a message of changing nationalities. Amen? The, the kingdom message is that we have changed nationalities. We have come from the nation of darkness the kingdom of darkness, a nation. You can't have a kingdom without a, a territory or a nation. And we have been brought out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son, who we love. Not into a church, not into a denomination, but we've been brought into the kingdom of his Son. And so we've got to see this big picture and understand that we're moving in a far bigger picture than we think we are. We need to get God's big picture here. And it says this, that, uh, that, that Jesus spoke about the kingdom. Isn't it interesting? When you come to Acts chapter 1, and Jesus is meeting with his disciples on resurrection ground. Hallelujah. We serve a loving Saviour, eh? He is alive today. Can you imagine the excitement of his disciples? 
Now certainly the devil who the man they have seen died and crucified, brutalized, with a, a face that was beyond recognition. Yeah, can you imagine the excitement? They're sitting around the table with them. They're about to enter into a new a new phase, a new paradigm, a new wineskin. You would think it would take these 40 days to tell them how to do church, yeah? Come on. You would expect them to, to at these 40 days because they've got to be the church planters. And you really think that they, he would really tell them how to do church, how to dress for church, how to worship in church. You think he would do it to, he would tell them all these things. And yet you go to Acts chapter 1. And this is what it says. After the suffering of his cross, Jesus appeared to life many times to those same apostles. Over a 40-day period, Jesus proved to them with many convincing signs that he had been resurrected. And during these encounters, during these times of meeting for 40 days, what did, what did he teach them? He taught them truths concerning God's kingdom realm. <laughs> Amen. He taught them the truths concerning God's kingdom realm. And another version says that he taught them in the Holy Spirit. He wasn't teaching just on, on his own account. He was teaching them in the Holy Spirit. And he was telling them things not about how to do church, but we're telling things about the kingdom. See, that, that was his message. That was his message. And then Paul would say, oh, that's, that's only for Jesus for Israel, because people have this, this insight of this, this way of saying things, that church is for the present and kingdoms for the future. Rubbish. Absolute rubbish. If you uh, don't get tied in with that, don't get tied in with the church is present and the kingdom is future. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is amongst us. We're kingdom citizens. We're not congregation in churches. We're kingdom citizens. So what is a kingdom culture? And I want to come back to what Paul says. But what is a kingdom culture? Is a citizen who recognise Jesus as their king. Amen? Agree with that? Observes his laws, partakes in his government, will express his culture. Amen? I'm going to read that again, okay? Because this is who we are. We are citizens in his kingdom. And this is what it says about that. A citizen who recognises Jesus as their king, observes his laws, partakes in his government, and will express his culture. A kingdom culture is one that its citizens reflect the king. Amen? A kingdom culture is where its citizens reflect the king. And there is seen in that expression of the gifts and fruit of the Holy Spirit the reality of heaven and earth 
and the liberty of his people to live out their God-given destiny. Amen? See, people have had to change their own relations because they couldn't fulfill their destiny. And I'm not hammering church here, I'm just saying, don't get mixed into a church culture that doesn't allow you freedom. But if you're a citizen of the kingdom, you've got the freedom to grow as Christ wants you to grow, amen? But there's still got a church that was okay. <laughs> don't say Bert McKay says you're not to go to church. I don't mean that. I want you to get into your, your souls today that you're something greater than just a pew, a pew fuller, okay? You're something far greater than just a few fellow. You're a citizen representing the kingdom, the king. And you're partaking in his government here upon the earth. You know, we should bring heaven down to earth. Yeah? Wherever we are, we should carry a fragrance of heaven. Wherever we preach, we should be preaching a message of heaven or from heaven. You say, oh, I would love to have preached like Jesus preached. I've got a revelation coming through the carpet's line. You know, I'm just driving along, and if you're on the road and I've cut you off, I'm sorry, I was in higher realms. But I got this driving the car this morning, and you think I should have known this all, all my life. But I knew, I, know, I knew the scriptures, but it takes all the spirits to give you that bit of revelation, doesn't it? And this is what I was saying this morning. The people would be saying, I wish I could preach like Jesus preached. You know? I wish I could preach like I wish I could do the things that Jesus did. It must be wonderful to hear him. It must be wonderful to see him in action. And the Holy Spirit said to me this. I almost jammed the brakes on. Shouted hallelujah. The Holy Spirit says you can. How can you? Because Jesus says, I do not say anything unless I've heard the Father say it. And I don't do anything except except I see the Father doing it. And we have the very same access that Jesus had to the Father. You get excited about this, you know. <laughs> so what Jesus was hearing from the Father, we can hear also. Yeah? What Jesus heard from the Father... We are able to hear also. And when Jesus spoke the word that the Father said, we can speak these same words. Hallelujah. This morning. And when Jesus did these amazing demonstrations of the power of the kingdom, we can do exactly the same. Because we can see what the Father is doing. We speak about heavenly realms. We speak about going beyond the veil. We speak about all these different things. But it's in order to bring what we see back down here to earth. Yeah. I'm not being too hard, you know. Maybe I'm not being hard enough. Because I feel this is an important message. Really important message. Don't say I wish. 
start to say, I can't. Amen? I can't. I can preach the same as Jesus preached. And I can do the things that Jesus did because I have the same access to the Father that he has. What a privilege we have this morning. So when he taught his disciples to say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, it wasn't a prayer that was impossible to answer. And when Jesus says, our Father, he wasn't just saying, you're actually coming in a new relationship as you were, but you're coming into the same relationship that I have with the Father. That's what it means. When Jesus taught himself to say, our Father, he was telling them that he was bringing his disciples into the very same relationship that he had with his Father. Because those that believed, they became, he gave them the authority to become what? Sons of God. Wow. That's exciting, isn't it? I knew the scripture, but I've never seen that before. That the reason we can do that is because we have access to the same place that Jesus had. And when Jesus says, I don't speak anything except I hear the Father saying it, that's who we should be. But we'll become so filled with knowledge that we can take a year's meetings on knowledge. Come on, we can, we can take a whole year's meeting on knowledge. We'll become clever. We can link up scriptures. You know? And I'm not saying that's wrong. Because you need to know the scriptures. But we need to know what the Father's saying. We need to give the people what the Father has said. Not clever messages. Not messages because we're clever and we know the scriptures backside, inside, upside, downside. We need to know what the Father's saying. Because when the Father speaks through us, we'll get the same as what Jesus got. Thousands followed him. No multimedia. No smoke machines. No press. No praise bands. Because he was bringing a message of reality. He was bringing a message from the Creator. He was bringing a message right that would touch the heart and the yearnings of people. Because world leaders have tried to, to fill the void of a lost kingdom. Feudalism was the first one. The landowners had the power. So they started to control the people. Socialism. Communism. Socialism, democracy, they've all been brought in by man to try and fill the gap of a lost kingdom. And people have got sucked into it, but they're still under control. Democracy, is it government for the people, by the people, is that what they say? Rubbish. Because whoever gets in power, they might only get in power by, by 51%. So they put on the shoulders of the other 48% their perception of government. The only thing that's going to bring righteousness and justice into this world 
is that we bring back the kingdom of God. That's the government that may they're looking for. That's the government that they want. And when you preach that message, they will start to come. When they hear that message, they will start to come. There's some listening to Jesus for two, three days without food. Imagine if you're doing that in Glasgow. Imagine if you were bringing a message that they didn't need all the extra smack because Jesus brought a fragrance and he brought the culture of heaven down to earth. And people recognised it and they wanted it. They're fed up with other preaching. They want to hear something of the truth. And when Jesus starts to speak, they say, we've never heard it like this before. He speaks with such authority. Why? Because he's speaking directly from heaven. He was speaking directly from the heart of God. And they would go days without food just to listen to what we say. What manner of man is this? Even the winds and the waves of him. Back to, back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Dominion over creation. Money in the mouth of a fish. A tree that would, where the bear fruit could wither. Wind and waves under his authority. That's what the kingdom brings by. That's what the kingdom brings by. And people are hungry for the truth. You see, when we bring a message like that, we're bringing people into the real experience of who God is. People want experiences of God. And when Jesus spoke, he spoke with the fragrance of the culture and the environment of heaven brought down here to earth. So what does that mean? It means that heaven needs to be heard through you and through me. Not clever preaching. But hearing directly what the Father's heart is saying. And when you preach a message like that, you know that you're going to get people's attention. And you're going to get people saying, oh, if I could only be under that, if I could only touch the heaviest garment. I've got so many notes here, but I've lost the place now, I don't know my This is what Paul said. I'll, I'll come to Paul said. I want to, I want to continue this. We should be living out from a heavenly culture, amen? We should be building a culture, a kingdom culture based on heaven, based on the king, based on his environment, based on who he is. Not only words, but supernatural demonstrations. And we are bringing people into a direct experience with the living God. Amen. Not from a church culture where people gravitate. I've read that already, but this is what I want to say. We gravitate to all these different things. No wonder we are powerless. 
I'm speaking about the church in general here. I don't know if you're generalist, but uh, it must be somewhere. But I'm, I'm just speaking about the church in general. The Sidlow Baxter, we're speaking about Sidlow Baxter before the start of the meeting. And it's a Sidlow Baxter and his pair at Charlotte Chapel in Edinburgh used to pay for the saints in general. And this old lady came up to him one day and she says, Mr. Baxter, he says, you speak often about, about the saints in general. Could you tell me who it is? I want to go and join them. I want to go and pay for them. I thought it was quite good. They said, let's pay for the saints in general. But listen, we are a powerless church. Overall, we see glimpses of power. We see glimpses of what God could do, but that's not what Jesus brought. Everything Jesus spoke came results. Everything Jesus said, be healed, they were healed. We make the riders, it might not be God's time. When Jesus did these things, when they brought all the sick to the door of Peter's wife's mother's house, he healed them. That's what the kingdom brings. No wonder we don't expect the supernatural. So many of the churches today are, are, are oblivious to the supernatural. They don't want that. It interrupts, interrupts their meetings. It interrupts their programs. When the spirit breaks through and you want to upset the meeting, make it messy, make it untidy, make it rowdy. We don't want that. When Nicodemus was not like when Bartimaeus was sitting by the wayside begging, he could hear a group of people who were joyful. <laughs> he could hear a group of people who were excited. Jesus was passing by. And he could hear their excitement because they were being disciples and they were living out what the king was teaching. And Bartimaeus could hear this and he had sat by the wayside begging all these years. And he started to cry out, Oh, Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy on me. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the very first thing that we read about that is this, Be quiet, Nicodemus. And you know, we get the same reaction in most churches today if people start to shout out. Oh, for churches where people can shout out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And while they were standing there quieting them, Jesus stopped. Amongst all the clamor, amongst all the noise, he heard the cry of a man. Bring him to me. And he tore off his garments. And Jesus healed him. And he followed Jesus down the way. He had come from a place of darkness to a place of excitement because he cried out to the living one. We need to leave room in our, in our, in our gatherings for people to cry out, not to quiet them. Is that right that time, yes? Is that clock right, yeah? yeah. It's 11 o'clock. I've got a wee yet, eh? And we're going to be this afternoon, no? That's okay. We've got to start, because we're part of God's kingdom, we'll start to 
expect the supernatural. Because what does the word say? It says, if I can just find the verse, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 20, 20, says this, for the kingdom of God, it doesn't say will be. It doesn't say in a coming day. Paul saying the kingdom of God is not a matter of words, but of power. It's time to stop the words, folks. It's time, as Paul says, to stop preaching out of wisdom, but to preach by the demonstration of the power of the Spirit of God. The kingdom of God is Paul saying. No wonder we're not impacting our communities. No wonder we are a powerless advert for Christianity. We should be the same excitement that Bartimaeus felt. That's the excitement that people should feel when they come near us. They should feel our excitement from us. They should feel a real excitement flowing out through us because they felt it from Jesus. And, it, it, and as, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. Amen. What's the aura that crowded about you and me? That's a challenge, isn't it? What is the aura that is round about you and me? See, the world is an aura of despair. To the world, it's an aura of lostness. It's an aura of darkness. It's an aura of hopelessness. But kingdom culture is a counterculture to that, amen? Kingdom culture is a counterculture to the culture of the world. And so wherever we are, and we're living in a, a kingdom culture, we should generate excitement. We should, we should generate a sense of, wow! Only if you touch the, the hem of his garment. Peter's shadow could pass over them and they were healed. We, want, we need to want that though, see? It's all I right, know it, but we need to want that. I'm going to go a stage further. I'm going to go a stage further. We need to do it. Stop saying, I wish I was there. We are there. And Jesus expects you to have faith to do what he says you can do. Amen. That's what faith is. In its most simplistic form is believing what God says he's able to do it. That's what faith is. It believes if God has says it, it's true. And if Jesus says it, it's true. 
So if Jesus says, true Paul, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is not of word, but is of power. See, this desk is going to go. Sorry, Steve, I you in the face. But, uh, so, the kingdom, Romans says this, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of rules, about food and about drink, but it's the realm of the Holy Spirit, filled with righteousness, peace and joy. Amen. Amen. That's who we should be, day by day, minute by minute, every moment that we live. But we've lost the sense of purpose because we've got locked up in a culture that is not kingdom. His kingdom. God's original plan for you and for me. We need a new wineskin. A new paradigm as we keep saying. But we need to repent and return to the teaching of our king and his kingdom. We've lost dunamis, power. We've lost exousia, authority. We've lost the power to reign as kings and priests. We need urgently to restore the lost riches of the kingdom. Amen. We need it. We need the message of the kingdom. So that we are, are citizens of that kingdom representing and reflecting the king. <laughs> I wish... I wish you were standing in your seats cheering just now. I really do. Because what I've said is, is so profound. What I've said is so profound. Citizens of, the, citizens of the kingdom reflecting the king and releasing his message of the kingdom not only in word but in power in demonstration of the power of the spirit of God oh, this is what Paul says I'll get to Paul now this is what Paul says do you expect Paul the great church man really to be like Jesus, or they expected Jesus to, to be telling people how to do church in Acts chapter 1. Paul's at the end of his life in Acts chapter 28. He's, he's, he's at the end of his life. He's not too far away from execution here. He's planted all these churches in Asia and Galatia and, and uh, over in, in Europe. This is what it says. Acts 28, verse 23. So take notes, I would take note of this. Acts 28, verse 23. So they set a time apart. This was the, the men who wanted to come and speak to Paul. So they set a time to meet with Paul. And that day, an even greater crowd gathered where he was staying. From morning until evening, Paul taught them, opening up the truths of God's kingdom realm. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that wonderful? with convincing arguments from both the law and the prophets and he tried to persuade them about Jesus 
And then you go down two or three verses, almost the last verse in Acts 28. He continued to proclaim to all the truths. He, con- he continued to proclaim to all the truths of God's kingdom. Realm. This is from the, the Passion Translation. It is from that. Teaching them about the Lord Jesus, the Anointed One, speaking triumphantly. Come on, folks. Are you listening to this? I love this translation. Speaking triumphantly. Not apologetically, but he was speaking triumphantly. I don't know what the other versions of the Bible say, but he said he was speaking triumphantly and without any restriction. There should be no restrictions placed on how you preach. So we need to start moving from unseen realms. Amen. Come on. We speak about it. We talk about it. But we need to start doing it. We need to start moving in our daily lives and whatever we do for the king. We need to start moving it out of heaven realms. You see, nothing comes out of heaven without, without, without someone going up and bringing it. We need people who want to go and bring out what the Father's saying. We need people to enter into the Father's heart to hear and to see what he's doing. Because nothing will be released on earth except by revelation, except by men and women who take the time to seek the face of the Father. And when they seek the face of the Father, I'm trying to remember that verse in Jeremiah 33 and 3. Call to me and I will answer. And I will show you. And so when we pray, we should be expecting revelation. God save Mrs. So-and-so. Amen. But what's the revelation that God's given you about our salvation? See, God answers, but he wants to answer us away, above, and beyond But we ever ask or think. He wants to give us the revelation of his heart. Because that's the only way that's going to change our nation. That's the only way that's going to change Glasgow. The only way to change Scotland is if men and women, especially those whose voices are heard, that are declaring words from heaven, words from the Father, words from the heart of the Father. Because that, I want to tell you, we need to bring down the will of the King into our villages, our towns and our cities. Stop praying thy will be done on earth if you know want to do it. Stop being hypocrites. Stop being actors. How often have you heard in prayer meetings, Oh God, we want to see your mighty hand moving. Nothing wrong with that. And God, and God will say, Okay, I hear your, your heart. But let's look at your life in the past week. Does your life reflect what you're praying? See, if it's not Satan, there's every right to challenge what you're praying. This is serious, okay? This is real serious. Don't pray prayers that you're not living. Don't pray for a revival if you're, if you're not living a revival life. 
But God doesn't want you to stop praying. <laughs> he wants you to start living what you're praying. See, Jesus said to his disciples, right, pray to the Lord of the harvest that will send out workers out in the harvest field. And because our Bible is broken up into chapters and verses, we stop reading there. The very next verse says, Jesus called the twelve and he sent them out. And as you go, preach this message of the kingdom. And as you preach it, heal the sick. Do all these things, including raising the dead. Amen. That's the message of the kingdom. I haven't got time. I'll do this another, another time. I've got so much still to say. So what is a kingdom church? You have to come back again. Or listening to Facebook Live on a Wednesday night and you'll hear these messages getting opened up and preached. What will I close with? See, here's what I'll close with. See, the Gospels are filled with this phrase. Follow me. Yeah? So many occasions, Jesus said, follow me. We can preach sermons around all these different things about follow me, but I just want to look at his words and say, follow me. What does that mean? What does that mean this morning for you and me to be a follower of Jesus? It's to be like what his disciples were. Following his direction. Living under his anointing, anointing of the king. Speaking, expecting to see the miraculous. Nicodemus, he says, we know that you're a teacher come from God. You'd expect him to say because of the wise words that you speak, eh? That, that, that's what you'd expect. Call them rabbi. We know that you're a teacher come from God. Why do they know that? Because no man can do the miracles that you do. See, it's not about words only. It's about words and power. And so Jesus was heaven manifested on earth. Amen. Heaven had been the atmosphere that he had lived in for all these eons in eternity. There's no time in eternity. But he was soaked in the culture of heaven. Of heaven's, heaven's kingdom unseen. But he brought it down here to earth. And he told us that we could do the same. Heaven had a culture. And Jesus personified that culture here on the earth. And he wants you and I to enter into that same culture. Same culture that Jesus moved in. Same culture he taught his disciples to move in. His teaching caused a revolution in Palestine, except amongst those who were locked in a culture of religion. We must be careful we don't become locked 
in our church culture. That inhibits our growth and our freedom to receive what God is saying. Jesus came to create a a counterculture or to demonstrate God's original plan for creation. See, the church, unfortunately, often lives in two camps. The church camp and the world camp. And there's so much of the world starting to creep into the church. We must learn how to live in two environments. Isn't that amazing that you and I can live in two environments at the same time? We can live in the heavenly environment where walking here on the earth and display what we're hearing and seeing in the heavenly environment. Come on, folks. God trusts us. People filled with the Spirit of God to move in heaven's environment to personify it here on the earth. What a privilege. That's God's word. Amen. There isn't a useless member in the physical body, neither is a useless member in the spiritual body of Christ. Amen. Hallelujah.